You know, when I was your age, go ask your mother. I know you don't like it. It builds character. How many times do I have to tell you? I'm not just talking to hear my own voice. Hello, listener, and welcome to Datages. I'm your host, Chad Hagel. And if you are looking for some fatherly wisdom for your career, your family, or any other aspect of your life, then you've come to the right place. If you want to learn more about Datages, find additional content, submit questions or feedback to me, or if you want to know if that mental picture you have of me after hearing my voice matches my real face, visit datages.com. Thanks for being here. And before you listen to our podcast, please listen to your father. Hello, listeners. This is Chad Hagel, and I welcome you to Datages Episode 5. Today, we visit the work of William Shakespeare, Act 1, Scene 3 of Hamlet, and the wise words of Polonius, To thine own self be true. Sorry, that's quite enough of that. Don't worry, I'm not going to put on my pretentious voice for the entirety of this episode. After all, that wouldn't be true to myself. That's just not who I am. I'm just trying to set the stage, pun intended, for today's episode of Dadages, and the dadage for the episode, which is, in fact, to thine own self be true. While these words do come from Shakespeare, that's not how I was originally exposed to them. For me, it is far more relevant that this advice was given to me in my teenage years, and exactly 237 times since then, by my father Mark. It's one of his go-to pieces of advice, perhaps his own dadage number one. I think it's been a fundamental guiding principle in his own life. Uh, you'll, you'll learn some more about that in future episodes. These words from Shakespeare's Hamlet are spoken by Polonius to his son Laertes before he departs for university. I didn't know any of that background, obviously, when my father first shared these words with me, and I doubt he did either. But it's not lost on me now that Shakespeare's character Polonius shares these words with his young son before he leaves home, just as my own father did. I guess this is a classic example of life imitates art. While these words from Shakespeare are some of his most quoted and probably been a source of great meaning for many other people, it's quite ironic to consider the source within the source. What do I mean by that? Well, it's worth a moment to understand the character of Polonius. Polonius is the opposite of wise, noble, and heroic. He's a hypocrite who advises his son to be true to himself while conspiring to undermine his son, hiring someone to spy on him while he's away at university. In the end, Polonius is at the center of the entire tragedy of Hamlet. Don't worry, though. After all of the trouble he causes, Polonius gets his in the end. He's stabbed by Hamlet while spying on him and his mother from behind a curtain. Check out a really striking painting of Polonius spying behind the curtain from 19th century French painter Jean-Georges Viber in the bulletin board at datages.com. If only Polonius had seen The Wizard of Oz. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Perhaps he would have survived. So where does that leave us? Do we ignore this advice from Polonius because he's such a bad dude? Is this a matter of do as I say, not as I do? I don't know. Uh, I think that's oversimplifying it. I'd rather think that this is the author's voice, Shakespeare, 
being heard through Polonius. These are, to me, the words of Shakespeare himself being delivered through Polonius for dramatic effect and and irony to present Polonius as a cautionary example in the context of the tragedy of Hamlet. I'm no expert in literary analysis, but I, I just love how this deeper understanding of these words of wisdom from Shakespeare, delivered through Polonius to the world and delivered through Mark Hagel, my own father, to me, and I suppose now from me to you, adds texture and context to the advice itself. With that whole backdrop, let me confess something. This isn't really episode five. I mean, it is. It comes after four and before six. I'm not a math genius, but that would seem to make it episode five. But this isn't the episode I was going to do. I had another episode about journeys teed up to record and publish. It dealt with further exploits related to my personal and family travel this past summer, and a particular event that included a story about a close friend whom I also planned to interview in the episode as a fellow father. He wasn't comfortable with what I had planned to share and requested I pull the episode. And I totally understand. He's perfectly entitled to make such a request, and as a good friend, I honored his request without question. He went on to say that both he and his wife had read the episode— which I had shared with them, and they were concerned on my behalf as well. They felt that I would potentially alienate my audience by sharing my exploits and stories about world travel, and they were afraid that the average listener wouldn't relate to such stories because they could make me sound like an elitist. Now, these are friends that know me very well and whose advice and perspective I respect, so I took a real pause when I received this critique. I I wanted to internalize the feedback they were providing and just figure out what it really meant to me. Is it inappropriate for me to share experiences from my life that might be perceived as unrelatable? Would I alienate you, listener, by sharing such things? Why was I interested to share such experiences? Is it relevant to what I hope to accomplish with datages? Should I be concerned about how people perceive me or the Datages brand, if you want to call it that, based upon the stories that I choose to share? Where was the advice and perspective from my friends coming? What was their motivation in sharing such advice? What in their collective experience was forming the basis for their perspectives? In order to process all of this, I decided to give it the Datages treatment. As I've shared with you, the bits and pieces of advice that I share with you through datages aren't just words. To me, they're tools or perhaps a a lens. When I'm confronted by meaningful challenges and have to make tough decisions, I look to the philosophies I've developed or adopted along the way to help me apply past experiences and lessons learned to solve present challenges. Listener, I'm inviting you to go deep with me in this process in the hopes that it helps demonstrate to you in real time how you might consider applying advice, guidance, and a philosophical framework for making thoughtful decisions in your own life. Sort of a datages case study, if you will. I hope you find this process helpful and can apply it in your own life. Let's now together step back from the specific circumstances that created this moment of reflection and reevaluation for me. Let's revisit today's datage, to thine own self be true, and figure out how it can be applied. 
How do we reconcile being true to ourselves while also seeking the wise advice of others in our lives? There's a quote I heard one time that I repeat quite frequently. The aphorism is, there is wisdom in the counsel you seek. I've opted not to make it an official datage. Why? Journalistic integrity. Not that I fancy myself a journalist, but I was told when I heard this quote that it is attributed to Plato. Wow, Plato. I know, that was my reaction too. When you hear the big thinker names attached to advice, it sounds so much more important and deep, right? Because this piece of counsel about counsel meant so much to me and was something I found myself sharing from time to time, I went on a quest to confirm the source to make sure I was properly attributing it to Plato and not passing along information from a bad source. To date, I've been unable to confirm Plato as the source. Now, it is highly plausible to believe Plato could be the source of this quotation. Plato wrote extensively about virtues, or arete, which also means excellence. What have come to be known as the four Platonic virtues are wisdom, courage, moderation, and justice. Wisdom is the very first of these virtues because Plato believed that a wise person uses the mind to understand morality and then apply it to daily life. We won't get too deep into the philosophies of Plato here. I'll leave that up to Stephen West at Philosophize This. Actually, go check out his episode four when you have time, which is an intro to Plato. We'll provide the link in the bulletin board for this episode at datages.com. If you'd like to learn even more and, and dive deeper, I can also recommend you check out a great public domain resource from my alma mater, Stanford, the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. There's a great reference in that publication entitled Plato's Ethics and Overview. We'll post a link to this resource on the bulletin board as well. So like I said, it is possible that Plato really did say there is wisdom in the counsel you seek because the concept of wisdom is such a big part of his overall analysis of virtue and the pathway to happiness. Listeners, if any of you out there is familiar with the work of Plato and can properly confirm his attribution, please contact me at datages.com. I'd love to have a better investigator than me succeed where I've failed. Then perhaps this quote can achieve full datage status, and I will dedicate an episode to it and to the listener who helps me in this quest for affirmation of attribution. I can confidently cite another source on the benefits of wise counsel, the Bible. In Proverbs 15.22, it is written, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. It's quite interesting that this is from Proverbs 15.22, because 22 is actually my lucky number. And you know, it's even more noteworthy. I share this lucky number with my friend that provided me the advice and critique that began this whole evaluation. Does that mean something? I don't know but I've come far enough in my life to believe not to dismiss it as a complete coincidence. There are some people who practice numerology or arithmancy, as it is also known, who believe there's a powerful underlying relationship between numbers and the operation of the universe. It's an intriguing perspective and one I wouldn't just dismiss entirely. There are times in my life when I've probably overconsumed advice. This was often born out of insecurity at times when I was the least grounded. Such a time came for me at the time that my first marriage came to an end years ago. 
At that time, I fell into an unhealthy relationship. This is not the classic story of a rebound romantic relationship after a breakup. In my case, this was an unhealthy dependency upon my best friend in seeking his advice and support through the process of my divorce. I became so dependent upon his perspectives and advice as a life raft to carry me across the treacherous seas of divorce that I voluntarily sacrificed my true self and got completely outside of my comfort zone. I accept full responsibility for this because I've come to believe that it is the person that compromises self and puts themselves at the mercy of another that is actually more responsible for the creation of that dynamic than is the person who is the more dominant or controlling party in such a relationship. This imbalance was destructive to the relationship and to me. At one point, it got so bad that my children even noticed. The aha moment for me came when my two boys said that they felt the relationship with my best friend had become completely one-sided and was not good for me. When as a man, you hear something like that from a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old, you know it's time to listen and to make a life change. I had to leave behind what had been a decades-long friendship because it had become an unhealthy and imbalanced dynamic, and I really couldn't recover from it. Everyone lost in this circumstance. So when we receive advice from others, solicited or unsolicited, how do we know when to follow it and when not to follow it? Let's go even one layer deeper here as we peel back the onion of the self. This is going to be your first glimpse of my appreciation of more traditionally Eastern philosophies and how I find them applicable to modern Western life, to my life. While I would identify primarily with a traditional Western rational mindset, I've cultivated an appreciation for some more spiritual perspectives and have found a place for them in my life. I've practiced yoga for over 15 years, and I've explored meditation as well, spending time at the Chopra Institute in Carlsbad, California, at Esalen in the Big Sur area of Northern California, as well as Ubud in Bali. I'm just sharing this background so you can understand the source of some of the perspectives I'll be sharing. I'm sure we'll come back to cover more of these experiences in future episodes. I'm going to talk about two concepts that may seem at odds with one another, but then hope to help reconcile them. These concepts are referred to by multiple terms throughout philosophy and psychology. For our purposes here, the first concept I will refer to as a universal consciousness, and the second concept I will refer to as subjective truth. First, universal consciousness. While I would never claim to be a truly enlightened individual, I would characterize myself as at least a self-aware individual. I'd like to share a couple of perspectives that I've picked up along the way and then tie them back to the questions that I've asked here. The first perspective I'd like to share comes from Deepak Chopra. It appears among other Chopra writings in an article entitled, Listening to Your Ego or Your True Self. You can find a link to it on our bulletin board at datages.com. Deepak writes the following. For most people, ego becomes an issue only when someone has too much of it and is considered egotistical. The situation is very different seen from the perspective of consciousness. The reason that Buddhists speak of ego death is that a different self is disguised by the demands of I, me, and mine, 
In many spiritual traditions, the ego is seen as the false self. Why? He goes on to write, I defines you as an isolated mind encased in a packet of skin and bones. I is at odds with other egos. I is set against the overwhelming forces of nature. No matter how much I acquires in terms of externals, there's an inner sense of insecurity. I becomes an adversary to happiness. On the other hand, Deepak describes the true self in this way. The true self isn't centered on the demands of ego, but on higher values, love, truth, creativity, compassion. Because it is connected to the source of awareness at a deeper level of the mind, the true self is at peace. Some things I learned in my studies at the Chopra Institute. One, every individual on the planet has trauma. Two, that trauma leads to damage. And three, that damage leads to an internal narrative that defines our insecurities as human beings. While everyone's trauma is different, abuse, loss, injury, the range of the damage done to the psyche by such trauma is not nearly as wide. And the stories we tell ourselves, I'm not worthy of happiness or love, I'm not enough, I'm less than everyone around me, are pretty consistent across all individuals. The internal struggle to reconcile these narratives on top of damage, on top of trauma, is the battlefield on which the true self combats the ego. Continuing to focus on the ego isolates an individual, but the true self for each of us shares so many fundamental characteristics that unite all of humanity that it's a gateway to human connection and understanding. So here's my personal interpretation of this complex framework and how it relates back to our topic today. To thine own self be true. To which self are you being true? If you're being true to the ego, you'll find yourself isolated from others and struggling to connect in a meaningful way. On the other hand, if you're being true to your true self, you will find common ground with fellow human beings. You will be able to relate to those around you in more meaningful ways. Put another way, if you are seeking advice from people around you just to try to cater to your ego and fill gaps left by unmet needs, you're likely going to find disappointment in that engagement. But if you're approaching those close to you for advice as your true self, you can find common ground and a fulfilling result from your engagement whereby both you and your friends or confidants will come away more complete and more connected. So we've talked about healthy, meaningful engagement with people around us based upon what we have in common. But what about the things that make us different? Specifically, let's talk about what I referred to previously as subjective truth. The simple way I would explain subjective truth is the concept you've probably heard before. Perception is reality. This is a common notion from psychology, but let's explore it just a bit more as it relates to this question of seeking advice and perspective from those around us. I credit my wife for introducing me to a fascinating book recommended to her by her therapist, The Courage to be Disliked by Ichiro Kashimi and Fumitake Koga. By the names of the authors, you've probably already figured out this is originally a Japanese book. We'll put a link to the book in the bulletin board of datages.com. The focus of the book is on point with our topic today. The premise is that by trying to cater to the expectations of others and trying to make them happy, we in turn damage ourselves. 
The book is a parable and is presented as a dialogue between a wise philosopher and a young man who challenges his notions. The philosopher says at one point in the discussion, None of us live in an objective world, but instead in a subjective world that we ourselves have given meaning to. The world you see is different from the one I see, and it's impossible to share your world with anyone else. The point is that we all have incredibly different experiences in life that shape our perspectives and our value systems. As a result, trying to meet the expectations of another person, when those expectations are derived from experiences that are so different from your own, is nonsensical. It can't lead to a positive outcome. So does this mean we just discard the perspectives of the people around us, no matter how much we might care about them as our friends or respect them as our mentors? I don't think so. Here's my take on this concept as well. We should acknowledge the differences between us and even those closest to us, which are created through the collective and vastly different experiences of each of us. We should use this awareness not to dismiss our friends or their opinions, but rather to understand from where those opinions come. When we receive input or advice from people in our lives that seems inconsistent with our perspective or perhaps even offensive to us, we should take a step back and recognize the differences in perspective and experience. We should practice gratitude and appreciate our friends, recognizing the value that is brought to the world through the unique and varied perspectives of the people in our lives. Now, all of this brings me back full circle to the questions I posed earlier in the episode. And I think I have the answers, my answers at least, the ones that are true to me. Question. Should I be sharing personal experiences with you, listener, that some might find over the top or could expose you to the blessings and privileges that I have in my life? Answer. It depends. And I must be mindful of my own motivations in sharing such things. If I'm ever motivated by ego in sharing my exploits with you, I'm in the wrong place. I'm choosing ego over true self, which is destructive. But, If I'm motivated to share such things because they can serve as the basis of insight, understanding, and connection, then they are of my true self, and I shouldn't fear sharing my truth with the world. Question. Could I alienate some people who find me unrelatable based upon what I have to share? Answer. Absolutely. It is possible, probably certain in fact, but that's a good thing. I have to be true to myself in sharing my life. And I encourage you, listener, to be true to yourself and only invest your time in listening to datages if you find it meaningful and relevant to your own life. Question. Should I be concerned about how people perceive me or datages based upon what I choose to share? Answer. Absolutely not. I can't control how anyone feels based upon what I do or say. As long as I'm true to myself, I'm handling what's in my control and I have to let individual listeners decide how they feel. In the end, that group of listeners who find my messages positive and beneficial will find their way to datages and will stay here. I trust in that. And for those of you who choose to listen to this podcast and be part of the datages community, it goes one step further. I owe it to you to share my true self. Otherwise, I'm not being authentic and I'm not showing you the respect that you deserve. Question. What motivated my friends to share their concerns and from where was the advice coming? 
Answer, it came from a place of love. I'm confident in that. Their own perspectives derived from experiences in their lives, their cultures, and their upbringing led them to share honest concern. I've heard it, processed it, as all of you have just experienced firsthand, and come to a place of peace and understanding. How do I know I'm right about all these things? Because I've been true to myself. I've applied mindful consideration through a lens of the beliefs that I hold true. And I found the answers that are right for me. And besides, I'm a dad, so that means I'm always right. Right? Whether or not that happens to be true, I am happy to say that this isn't the end of our discussion on this topic. We will continue our conversation about being true to yourself in the next episode. And we'll be joined by a very special guest. Mr. Sean Collinson will be on the Dadages podcast. Sean is a former hip-hop artist from Brooklyn, a nationally recognized mediator who's been involved in some of the most groundbreaking cases of our time, a former presidential candidate, an author, and of course, a dad. Sean's most recent book, The Whiteout, details his recent near-death experience, which changed his life and his perspective permanently. If you're following Dadages in real time, then the next episode will be my Christmas and Hanukkah gift to you, listener. Please join us. It's one you won't want to miss. And in the spirit of being true to yourself, I leave you with this amazingly on-point dad joke. I was wrong only once in my life. Yeah, once I thought I was wrong, but it turned out I was actually right. Remember, dad may not always know what he's talking about, but he sure can sound like he does. Thank you for listening to Dadages. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to visit dadages.com and subscribe to the Dadages podcast to get notified for future episodes. You can rate or review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Why? Because I'm your father and I said so. Just a little respect is all I ask for. I put a roof over your head and food on the table and what do you do? No, tell me exactly what do you do because I'm doing everything. I'm paying for everything. No, get back here. Get back here right now.